Let's pray. May the Spirit of God, through whom all things were made possible in the Christmas story, meet with us as we gather round the Word. May my spoken Word accurately reflect the written Word, but more importantly, proclaim the living Word of Jesus. Amen. I saw a joke this week in which Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise in Star Trek The Next Generation and his first commander, or first officer commander, William Riker, they're talking to one another. I'm reading a book about anti-gravity, says Picard. Is it any good? Riker asks. To which Picard answered, I can't put it down. The good thing about YouTube sermons is that if at the first the joke doesn't make any sense, you can always wind back and try again. But have you ever had that experience of the book you couldn't put down? That every time you think, oh, I'll just see how this bit pans out. And then something else happens to draw you in. Or maybe it's that TV box set. You know it's late, it's really time to go to bed. But as the current episode comes to an end, you're on the edge of your seat, you're left on a cliffhanger, and before you know it, you're into the next episode and settling down for another hour. Jules will tell you, I'm a sight to behold during a tight rugby match. As Ireland get closer and closer to the opposition try line, I'm edging closer and closer to the telly, as if my effort is going to push them over the line. I mean, even if I was there, I doubt I'd make much impression on those big rugby players. Or if we're winning but under pressure with a few minutes to go, I'm pacing up and down, wearing out the carpet. It's like I can't bear to watch, but at the same time I can't bear to look away. Different types of tension. Or there's that really uncomfortable tension. You know you're with some friends and a row breaks out between two of them. And everyone else is feeling awkward and staring at their feet. Or you walk into a room and there are a couple of people in there already. And you just know that something's gone down in there just before you arrived. You can feel it. And you wonder if you can just edge back out the door. Some tensions are easier to sit with than others. And faith can bring its tension. The human brain's a fantastic creation, but we really can't cram God into it. How did God's mercy and justice hold together? Most of us want to fear towards grace and mercy. But I wonder if we find ourselves in parts of the world facing oppression and violence, if we might not be drawn more towards the justice side. Or how do we balance God's intimacy or closeness with a reverence and awareness of God's majesty and greatness? In fact, 
Living with tension might be the very definition of faith. The writer of Hebrews describes faith as being assured of things hoped for and certain of things unseen. It's about being sure and certain of things that you can't see and don't yet have. Or perhaps even more, it's about living in such a way that you view those things as sure and certain. It's about living between promise and fulfilment. And that's where we find ourselves in the Advent season. Advent is about two of the more fundamental or basic human emotions or experience. Waiting and hoping. It's about a people receiving a promise and waiting for it to be fulfilled. Hoping and longing for the one who made that promise to be faithful and keep it. And at one level we're looking backwards to the coming of Christ into the world, born to Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem. We're remembering that a people carried that promise down through centuries, often against all odds and expectations. I mean, on the grand scale of history, they weren't one of the big players. True, they were in a pretty decent place strategically. But for the most part, all that meant was that they got kicked about by whoever happened to be top dog in their day. And their story took all sorts of weird twists, turns, detours, diversions, odd meanderings. But still, they carried with them this hope that their God, whom everyone else considered quite strange. I mean, there was only one of them. They couldn't see him and they weren't even allowed to make images of him. But this God had a key role for them in his plans. And not just for them, but for the whole world. So throughout all the ups and downs, let's be honest, mostly downs, all the hopes and disappointments, they clung on. To that hope. And as we light the candles each week in the run up to Christmas, we're reminded how they kept that hope burning down through the generations. And then, in just under four weeks, when we light the white candle in there, we'll remember God keeping that promise to send a Saviour into the world. But hindsight's a wonderful thing. It might seem really obvious, but sometimes the obvious is worth mentioning. You see, we are looking back 2,000 years to a child being born and seeing the fulfilment of that promise. They weren't. They were living with the suspense. They had no idea when it was coming. We might know it was 2,000 years ago. They didn't know it was so many thousands, hundreds of years in the future. Nobody was going into exile in Babylon thinking it's 597 BC, almost six centuries to the Messiah, because they didn't call it 597 BC. And we need to be careful. It's possible to, with Christmas, to make the staging post the destination. That's the mindset that we live in currently. In the last few weeks, 
Our government and businesses have been desperate to get aspects of our economy going because so much is geared towards Christmas. Shops have been slowly and not particularly subtly building up to this since late summer. Christmas is the destination on which they are focused. But that's not the case in the Christian story. Christmas is a key moment. It is good to mark and celebrate God taking on flesh and entering our world in Jesus. But in another way, it's just the turning of a page. The start of another chapter. Quite literally, another testament. The promise to send a saviour into the world had been kept. But God's overall plan is so much bigger than a baby being born in a stable. At Advent, we remember that we too live between promise and fulfilment. Christ has come and we can and should celebrate it. But God's big promise, the renewal, the restoration, the reconciliation of all things has still to be completed. Fast forward 30 plus years from that manger in a stable to a hillside just outside Jerusalem. That child in the manger has grown into a man. He is taught, he is healed, he has transformed lives, he's done good. But he's made enemies who have ultimately had him arrested and killed. But God's raised him from the dead. And now as he leaves the disciples one last time, he's taken up into heaven. But what are the very first words spoken as he departs? What are you looking up there for? That same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back just as you've seen him go. The story is still being written. It is not yet complete. We still live in the period between promise and fulfilment. The world still groans, waiting for God to bring his promise to fulfilment. One of the more powerful images that the writer Paul, who wrote Romans, from which we read earlier, one of his best images is of creation straining on tiptoe, trying to see that little bit farther, trying to catch a first glimpse of what God has promised. It's a picture of a while living in suspense. That's the other side of what we're remembering at Advent. But how do we live with that tension? How do we hold the suspense? Well, one of the key things Jesus tells us to do is get ready, be prepared. We've learned something of the importance of preparation this year. Yes, it's easy to be wise after the event. And it's true that much of what many parts of our world have experienced is very much unknown, certainly in our lifetimes. But there have been key figures in our world, in politics, science and business, 
who for years have been warning that it is not a case of if, but when a virus like COVID-19 would become a significant threat. Who were warning us of the need for ventilators and PPE. And I don't say this to criticise our leaders. I don't think anybody would have done much different. What I want to highlight is that when things are going well, things can drift to the back of our minds. We can put off doing anything about them. Or even when they just seem distant. And it was the same with the financial crisis in the last decade. When things are going well, the temptation is to drift off, not worry too much about it. And then emergency strikes and we're caught out. And that can happen in all sorts of areas of life. Physically, mentally, relationally, emotionally. And spiritually. We can drift through life not really paying attention. Until the crisis comes and we're left floundering. But there are different ways of living with the suspense. Some simply struggle to live with it. Some will spend their time trying to work it all out. They become obsessed with signs and end time stuff. And at times of crisis, it's probably no surprise that there will be those who are that way inclined. It's probably a bit more common in America, but not entirely unheard of in our country. And it's not new. The conversation in the passage Shantani read started a few verses earlier. As so often things do in the Jesus story, with Jesus being asked a question. Teacher, when will these things happen? How will we know they're about to happen? It's a bit like me looking at an odd ship package under the Christmas tree and thinking, oh, somebody please tell me what's in there. I want to know now. During the week, and it wasn't actually connected with this, I was listening to a podcast which included a series of interviews with people who suffered from what was described as end times anxiety. It was about people who grew up in churches which really centred on this kind of end of the world type stuff. And these people find their lives and their mental health really paralysed by it. Now, I like a bit of debate, discussion, batting things around. You know, I'll be honest, I'm a bit of a theology nerd. An interest in that kind of stuff has its place. But, you know, there's a problem with a lot of these kind of debates. They can be a really good distraction from what's more important. How we live here and now. We need to be more humble and honest. We know less than we think. More is hidden than we realise. Christ's first coming at that first Christmas took people by surprise because it came in ways no one was expecting. What makes us think the second Advent will be any different? Besides, it 
all that debate, it keeps us focused on things that aren't ours to control and stops us focusing on what we can do something about, what we should be doing something about, how we live the life we have now in this moment. And that's what both Paul and Jesus point to. Jesus warns about being too carefree or care-filled. He warns about too much partying and too much anxiety about the future. Paul warns about getting caught up in all sorts of sinfulness. He says, allow Jesus to be Lord of your life now. Seek out what is good and pleasing to him now. Be like the wise one Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, who builds their house on the rock. Don't just hear what God wants of us and for us. Do it. Live it. Trust that what God wants for you here and now is a better way. Because you know what? If you don't want to live as God called you to here and now, it's hard to see what has been prepared for us there and then, however it comes about, will be in any sense heavenly to us. And that's what living with holy suspense really looks like. It's about trusting God to get on with what is his to do and focusing on what is ours. Yes, God's timescales are way beyond us. People carried the promise of a saviour down through the generations, through all sorts of ups and downs, through crises from which there seemed no comeback and with seemingly no end to the waiting. But in a few weeks, we will light the white candle and we'll remember that promise was kept. And at Advent, we too are reminded that we are waiting, that that waiting has also felt like a long time. At times, it felt like surely it must be coming to an end. And it's no wonder that people can either be drifting off and stopping looking or joining creation, standing on tiptoe, straining, looking beyond what really is ours to see, perhaps trying to second guess. As we enter this Advent season, may we trust that God will be faithful to his promise and allow him to hold on to what it is. And may we take responsibility for what is ours, seeking out more of the life he has for us and embracing it here and now so that we are ready to welcome and embrace all that our God has prepared for us. Grace and peace to you.